0: Welcome to the Sunday Message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel preaches from Genesis chapters 5 and 6 with a message entitled, Noah's Ark.
1: Great, so this morning I'd like to begin actually by reading from Genesis chapter 6. You can find it in a pew Bible in front of you on page 5, or if you have your own Bibles, we'll begin in Genesis chapter 6. And I know you just sat down, but would you once again stand with me as we read God's Word. Genesis chapter 6 beginning in verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I will have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with or from the earth. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your text, written so long ago, but written for us today, Lord, would your spirit move in each of our hearts so that we could hear what you'd have for us today. Lord, open our eyes so that we can see, soften our hearts so that we can understand what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead <clears throat> have a seat. In a very violent, corrupt world, it says that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Now, before we get to the text, I want to illustrate. Uh, the message this morning by actually taking you to another scene uh, that's sketched in my mind that happened about a year ago. I was safe at home uh, with my family. We're just kind of down for the evening uh, when I get a text on my phone. uh, Chaplains needed ASAP. I serve as a police chaplain for the Gresham Police Department, and every now and then they'll they'll call us out on something. Uh, this text said chaplains needed ASAP. That's all I needed to know, and I started getting ready. Hey, Amy, something's going something's going down. Uh, so I, I made my way to the department, and even on the way to the department, we got another call. Hey, we need you on scene. Now, normally they don't call chaplains to go on scene, but at this time they did, so I knew something was really, uh, really wrong. So now I want you to picture with me in your minds as I arrive on this. This scene, just about a year ago, uh, all the streets are blocked with police cars. Uh, lights are going everywhere. Uh, there's a yellow tape marking off everything and crowds of people all around with their phones out uh, watching. Uh, there's the television van has just pulled up and there's some guys getting out with a microphone and uh, a camera. Uh, and there, as I walk to go to see my commanding officer, I, 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 I see a, a blanket in the middle of the street. Who knows what's under it? And as I get closer, there's this guy pacing back and forth in this next to this police car. You, you, he's there, but you can tell this guy's not really there. He, he's some kind of shock or vacant of, of what's just uh, happened. Uh, one of the officers actually went up to him and said, hey, why don't you go talk to one of the chaplains? And he said, no, I'm fine, as he just kept walking back and forth. So as I checked in with my sergeant, he said, hey, can you go check on that guy? See if he's okay. So I made my way over and I introduced myself and uh, I said, hey, let's, let's go take a walk. And he said, no, I'm fine. And I'm like, well, come on, we'll just go, let's just go take a walk. And so finally he moved from that police car there and we started walking uh, away. And you could see, he, as he turned from the scene, he started quickening his pace. He was still, adrenaline was pumping in him. And so I just said, hey, hey would you mind just slowing down a little bit for me? Why don't you just take a breath? and then we just kept walking away. And you could see this guy as he turned and looked at the scene again. You could almost see uh, him getting stuck back in the scene because he turned his head and then he would slow down his pace a little bit. And so I would just say, hey, come on, let's keep keep going. Let's keep walking. Well, they train us uh, as chaplains in a chaotic, crazy, violent scene like that. The very best thing to do is to go for a walk. There's, there's something uh, impactful, profound that happens when you go for a walk with someone. Now, as we come back to our text today, we're going to see that uh, just like it's, it's best practices to take someone in a chaotic scene like that, take them out for a walk. We're going to see today that the best way to navigate this crazy, violent, disruptive, discouraging, crazy life is to walk with God. And you might be thinking, well, that's great. I wish God would come up to me and say, hey, let's go for a walk. But he's never rung my doorbell. He, he's never invited me on, on this walk. What does it even look like to walk with God today? Uh, well, this brings us back to our text. We're, we're looking at the book of Genesis, and today we're in chapters 5 and 6. And, and as we look at Genesis 5 and 6, we're going to see examples of multiple, several men who walked with God. In chapter 5, we're going to see a genealogy. I know it's your favorite. Uh, Genealogy, we're actually going to kind of skim over that pretty fast. We're going to focus on three of the ten men. Uh, There's a focus there that's already built into the genealogy uh, that's going to show us three men that are all described in the Bible as walking with God. And as they walk with God, we're going to see three different aspects of it. We're going to see they find identity, they find deliverance, and they find rest. They find their identity, who they're supposed to reflect. They find uh, this deliverance, this salvation from something, and then they find comfort and rest. And then looking at that, we're going to move over to chapter 6. We're going to see the example of Noah, as we just read that he walked with God in his generation. And then he's he's saved from a coming judgment in an ark. So if you have your Bibles, let's look. Chapter 5. We begin, actually, a new section today. Uh, And and here's a little side of the broader picture of Genesis. Uh, Genesis is structured in the Hebrew in a a very uh, clear way. There are ten sections in Genesis. Uh, Each one begins with the same like line. We've already seen one once. In chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth. And and then that section goes on until uh, the end of chapter 4. And now chapter 5, we're going to get our next beginning of the section. Look at Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And then we'll read about the genealogy of, of Adam until we get to chapter 6 and verse 9, which we're going to see two of these sections today. These are the generations of Noah. These are the generations of. You might have in your Bible genealogy or written account or something like that. This is actually a, a translation from the, a Hebrew word, Toledot, which means something like births. Uh, or generations, or, or uh, genealogy. These are the births of Toledotes. Well, uh, chapter 5, we begin a new toledot We begin a new section. And rather than read the whole genealogy, I'm just going to actually uh, focus on three things, three men. Uh, Adam, Enoch, and Noah. You'll see uh, number 1, number 7, and number 10 in the genealogy. And we're going to grasp for them, what does it mean, what does it look like to walk with, with God? So if you have your Bibles, let's look and see. Genesis 5 and verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image, and he named him Seth. We get it a new, like, short creation account. We actually don't even mention uh, Cain and Abel. It's like we're starting all over again with Adam, and he has a son, and his name is Seth. Now, the thing we know about Adam, though, just a few pages back, is that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, in the garden. They they walked with God, and they're also made, here we see, we're made to reflect God. They're made to image Him. And in, in walking with God... Adam and Eve then reflected who they were supposed to be. They they reflected the image and found the image that they were supposed to be. As you walk with someone, have you ever noticed uh, some child walking like their dad? And you're like, I don't know who that kid is, but he walks just like his dad. Have you ever seen someone like that? Because as you're walking along with somebody, you're actually mirroring and mimicking uh, and reflecting that person that you're walking with. So as over time, you're reflecting. That other person and as Adam and Eve walked with God they were made uh, to reflect him and they did just that as the pattern the pace that they went on uh, they were supposed to reflect that but also finding their true identity and who they were you know I, I bet as uh, Adam's son Seth went along people could see from behind and go that must be Adam's son because he walks just like Adam he reflects his father, just like Adam reflected his father, or was supposed to, until he chose another way. But what we see was that walking with God, you find your identity. and walking with God, you find your true identity, who you're made to be. Well, after Adam, we get this, this pattern uh, through the next several men, uh, so-and-so lived, and they fathered these people, and they died. So-and-so lived, they fathered this many people, and they died. And so-and-so lived, they fathered this guy, and he had other sons and daughters, and he died. Uh, this person lived this long, he had these kids, so-and-so, and he died, and he died, and he died. And as you're reading through this genealogy and getting the pattern and the pace of this genealogy, uh, this, those and he died, it's almost like this drumbeat of Mordor, death is coming. To all of us. And they died and they died. Until you get to verse 21. When we get an interruption into this rhythm that we're supposed to be uh, feeling already with a man named Enoch. Verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Now Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Enoch were 365. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That's kind of, and he was not. He was just gone. Like he, Enoch was, he walked with God, and then he wasn't. Uh, there is something going on there that I think the pattern of the genealogy leads us to see. Uh, where we were expecting to see, and he lived so many years, in place, the, the author says, and he walked with God. And then when you expect to see, and he died, instead we see, and he walked with God and was not. The the author is really setting this up as life is really walking with God. And at the end, Enoch is delivered from any pain and death or having to die. Walking with God is like you find deliverance. It's as if he finds eternal life. Like walking with God, you find eternal life. Well, we see these glimpses of identity and deliverance, and, and also at the very end, relief or comfort. Verse 28, we, we go along the pattern, we see the same pattern. So and so fathered, lived this long, fathered these people, and he died and he died and died until you get to 28. It says, When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out. Of the ground that the Lord had cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Out of the ground, God creates one, and he's going to be Noah, He's going to bring relief and comfort. It's another Hebrew play on words, because the word Noah actually sounds like rest or, or comfort or, or relief. There's gonna be one from the ground that's coming that's going to bring us some relief, some comfort. Here's just a side. This is a geeky aside for any of you like Bible nerds. Uh, in chapter 2, in verse, I think it's 14, when God put Adam in the garden, it actually the verb for that is he actually knowed him. Uh, he took him from the ground, out of the ground, he formed a man, and then he noah him in a special place, a sacred place for him. Uh, so Adam was really like a first Noah. And now we have Noah, who's like another Adam. As God says, out of the ground, I'm going to create one that's going to bring this relief. Well, uh, walking with God, as we see in these three things, is, is, is really you find our identity. We find deliverance. We find salvation, eternal life. We get the glimpses of that. And then we also find rest and comfort as uh, Noah is here now. If the story ended here, that'd be great. If we just ended chapter five, that was the end of the Bible, we'd be like, oh, we'd be hopeful, right? It ends on like the upbeat notes, like, hey, maybe we're gonna find relief. Maybe uh, things are gonna be great. We've seen this bad line of Cain that ends in violence and destruction, but now we've seen this like godly line that began with people calling on the Lord. There's somebody that walks with the Lord. There's somebody that reflects the Lord. There's somebody that's gonna bring relief. So you're like, yeah, this this could be really Good and, and as you see the numbers of the years, you have people just piling up on the earth. Uh, they're living long, long time, so you could actually see your great, 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 great grandchildren. I don't know what Christmases or birthdays would be like, but it would. They're just they're piling up on the earth, and and you have like some good people piling up on the earth, and you're like, yeah, maybe these good people will overcome these evil people. Wouldn't that be great? But but as we see, as we turn to chapter six, there's going to be this little transitionary. Uh, paragraph. It's going to tell us that all these people, they end up going the way of all of humanity. They go the way of Adam and Eve. They all sin. They all turn from the Lord. It's like they all have the chance to walk with God, and they all say, no thanks, I'm fine. So turn to chapter 6, and we're going to see that sin explodes on the world. Uh, This little section here, there's lots of questions on it. I'm not going to answer uh, all of them. I don't think I could answer all the questions. Uh, so I just want to su- set it up on a couple like truth statements, I think, that are, that are from what we see in the narrative. Uh, one of them is, I think chapter, uh, this serves as the summary of chapter 6. Do you remember those Toledotes that I said? They form natural sections. Now in our Bibles, we put little numbers and verses there to try and help us out. Uh, but I think chapter 6 should actually start later on. And this should be part of the the summary statement of of chapter 5 that sets up this flood narrative, but really serves as the backdrop of of that. Um, We're also going to see that they're talking about groups of people. There's these titles that they're going to use. We're no longer talking about an individual. We're talking about groups of people. uh, And then giving the like titles of those groups of people. So like athletes, An athlete is someone who identifies as, I'm athletic or I play a sport, therefore I am an athlete. It's a title of a group of people. Uh, Missionaries, who Ryan talked about, is a group of people. And when you think of missionaries, you think of people that are following the Lord, maybe overseas, uh, telling people about Jesus, hopefully walking with the Lord uh, in those things. Now, Now, this section that we're about to read is no longer individuals, large groups, And we're going to see, how do we get from these two lines of people to everyone being corrupt? Genesis 6.1. Here we go. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. Let's stop right there. That word attractive, what we say attractive, is actually the Hebrew word tov, which we've seen multiple times already. Tov means good. We've seen this pattern already. The sons of God saw that the daughters of man were good, or attractive, and they took as their wives any they choose. Sons of God see the daughters of man were good, and they take them. See, good, and take. Does that remind you of any story? If you've been with us in this series so far. Are you starting to see? Like, oh, no. They see that it's good for themselves, and so they take it without... answering, what is this good for? Do you want this, Lord? Do you want me to do this? Uh, Eve saw that the tree was good, and she took it. Now, the sons of God title, that's a little bit tricky. It's tricky to understand. There's lots of people that have different ideas on it. Here, I'm just going to give you one and leave it there. If you have questions, great. I'd love to answer them or try to answer them. Uh, Sons of God, it's a title of a group of people. uh, And I believe that this title of a group of people, or these people, were supposed to reflect and mirror God. They were supposed to walk with God. Just, just like Adam walked with God and was supposed to reflect him as he was a child of God. They were supposed to reflect God, walk with God. I think of it like the sons of God. I think of it think of it in terms of like missionaries. People that you think, okay, these, are, these people are walking with the Lord. These people are, are good. We think these people are good people. Uh, But it would be like the missionaries, they see uh, the scammers, the thieves, the cheats, the liars, they see that that way of life is really good. And and so then they end up taking that way of life. And so that the missionaries become these cheats and stealers. And you're like, that's not supposed to be the way it is. You're supposed to walk with the Lord. You're supposed to tell people about God. You're supposed to walk with God and you choose to not. I want to stop right there again, uh, because as we get to the end of 6 here, we're going to see there's a pattern in Genesis that we're going to actually see two more times until the end of our study in Genesis 22. Uh, there's a pattern in Genesis. There's this narrative flow that we get to the very uh, end of, and we're going to start uh, a new one that's in six, nine. Uh, and, here, and here it is in very simple terms. We start on a mountain as priest. And this blessings from the Lord. We have this great relationship with the Lord and His people. There's fellowship, and the people are actually functioning as they should, as priests to the Lord. But then sin enters the world, and we see these these same cycles of, see, it's good, and and they take. Uh, there's there's usually a tree or a fruit. Somebody's reaching and grabbing. Uh, we're gonna see this again uh, in the future. That that sin enters the world, and because of the results of that sin, we, we saw brothers divide. Uh, we saw Cain and Abel uh, killing each other, or one killing the other one. Sin enters the world, and then the family, these brothers divide. And we're going to see cousins divide, wives divide. We see family is just fractured at this moment. And then the very next thing we see is that sin just explodes. It's no longer in the heart of just one or two people. It's in the heart of everybody. There's there's corruption through the the whole world. So so remember this, this this cycle that we're going to see. We start as a mountainous priest. Sin enters the world. Families or brothers divide. Sin explodes. And then look in verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of humanity was great in the earth, and that every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The sons of God see It's good, and they take it. And sin explodes through the whole earth. All flesh is corrupt. Now we get to the next section, our next Toledote. Look with me as we'll read uh, Genesis 6, 9 through the end of the chapter, uh, Noah and his ark. Genesis 6, verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah Walked with God. And Noah had three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let's pause right there. Noah, he's another type of Adam. He walks with God and he has three sons. Uh, Maybe this will be different. Maybe Noah is going to be the serpent crusher. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their ways on the earth. Everyone was doing what they wanted to do. They were walking in their own way. They were calling what they wanted to call good for themselves. Uh, God invites them, hey, let's go for a walk. And they say, no thanks, I'll go my own way. I'll do it my way. And so violence and evil and just wickedness is unleashed on the earth. Verse 13, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth, or from the earth. Make yourselves an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark, and finish it uh, to a cubic above. And set the door of the ark uh, in its side. Make it with a lower, second, and third decks. Verse seventeen: For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which the breath of life, uh, uh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Everyone was walking around in their own hurt and pain and anger and vengeance. And like a virus, the sin explodes on the earth. All flesh is corrupt except for one man. And we see God looked on favor to him. That word favor is really grace. He looked on with grace to this one man and Noah walked with God. He walked with God so that he, he could actually, uh, like, hear him talking as they're walking. And God tells him, here, there's a judgment coming. The Things that are happening in your world are, are really bad. Everyone has gone astray. I need to bring a judgment. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. And I want you to build this ark, this, this big floating thing, and I want you to make it 300 cubits. Now, for us, we're like, cubits, what is that? It's about a football field and a half. I want you to make it uh, 75 feet wide. I want you to make it 30 feet tall. And can you imagine if Noah was like an engineer, he would start calculating all the wood that he would need for this. And can you imagine, like, well, Lord, 300 cubits. Well, what if we just like, what if we make it like 150? And we let like the spiders and the reptiles, let them, let's let just let them go and make it a little bit shorter. He's like, no. I need it 300 cubits long. And in fact, I want the door here. I want the window here. I want it, all this thing. And he's like, okay, okay, I, I, I got it. Why all the details for the ark? Uh, it, it could be, we talked about it in Men's Bible Study, it could be that this is the very best way to get through a flood, and it probably was. Uh, but why put that in? Are we supposed to build it, like in Kentucky? Or <laughs> are we? Is that what we're supposed to do with with this? I I think, let me just just pause. I just want to mention something here. There are very few places in the Bible where God gives such exact instructions. I want you to build it this, I want you to build it exactly this length, this height, this width. This is what I want you to do. Can can you think, if you know the Bible story, you know a couple of those things because they're super boring to read. Because they're chapter after chapter of, and then you shall make it this, and the width of this, and the cubits of this. And you're just like, what is he doing? Those, those things, though, are very, very important. It's the things like the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where, where God would meet with his people. It, it was the Ark of the Covenant. I want it to be just like this. It was the, the temple later on. I, you need to build it just like this. I, this high and, and this long. and this the, the, th- the places that God has an interest in where he's going to meet with his people, where his presence is going to be, where his covenants are going to be made. It's those kind of places. And so as we get all these instructions for the ark, knowing the rest of the story, we should be going, oh, this is going to be a place that's sacred, where God's presence is going to be with his people again. If we read of the tabernacle and the temple later on, too, you'll see how, how those things actually reflect back to the Garden of Eden. How, how they're supposed to be made was supposed to reflect this Garden of Eden place, another sacred place. So, so making this ark, uh, it would serve as like this floating temple or, or sacred space or, or a floating Garden of Eden where all the animals were inside that God had brought them to Noah. A place where God would make a covenant with his people. And the ark would serve as an instrument of salvation for Noah and his family. It would serve as a sacred space. In a violent, corrupt world, Noah walked with God. God said 300 cubits, and he said, Great, I'll get busy. A hundred years, Noah wakes up every morning and goes, What now, God? What do you want me to do? The earth is violent and corrupt and wicked everywhere. And Noah wakes up and goes, what do you want me to do? And God says, let's take a walk. I'll show you how to do this. I'll show you how I want you to respond. I'll show you what I want you to be in this wicked world. See, walking with God, Noah found rest deliverance from the coming judgment. He discovered who he was made to be in the image of God. So let me take you back to that night of the text, the phone call. I, I was uh, safe at home with my family. We were all healthy. We were just going to sit down and watch a movie. When I get this text, there's people's lives were just falling apart. Uh, they were just, just crumbling. And, and so... Uh, I got ready and I and I walked. I walked out and I walked into this mess of this violence of these people, uh, all to come to one man and go, "Hey, you want to take a, a walk?" <laughs> well, I actually don't have a lot to offer him. I have like a, a listening ear. I, I cared about him at all, but but honestly, I, I was just reflecting what my father does. Uh, you see, God who was perfectly whole in who he was, he did not need anything else from us, Uh, goes, I'm going to step into their mess. Specifically through the person of Jesus, who entered a world in a time when the Romans were crucifying people and torturing people, when the temple was completely corrupt, where there was idolatry and just wickedness in the temple, and Jesus steps into that mess, and he goes up to people, and he goes, hey, would you follow me? Let's take a walk. Well, those who responded, who, who walked with Jesus, Jesus reminded them, this is who you are made to be. This is who I've created you to be. This is what I want from you. Walk this way. Be careful of this thing. Don't, don't get stuck in that. Come on, keep going. Hey, slow down there. He offered them comfort and rest in the violence of the world. Now, I don't know what your mess is this morning or or, or what you're walking through or what you walked through this last week, but I do know this. I know God every morning is going, you want to take a walk? Can I tell you who I've made you to be? Can can I show you how I want you to respond? The question you might be asking, so What's walking with God look like? When I get up tomorrow morning, what's walking with God look like? Well, I think there's at least two things. I think the first thing is recognizing that you're not the one in control of the day. We're walking around in this violent, shell-shocked world, and we're trying to do our best, but we actually need somebody outside of us to come, hey, come on. We'll get you, we'll get you through this. I'll give you wisdom and comfort and the path to follow. So recognizing that and just simply praying in the morning, okay, Lord, I want to walk with you today. Would you direct my path? Would you bring people into my path? Would you show me how you want my heart to respond to different situations? So recognizing that he is there, that he is inviting you to this walk. But the second thing is really hearing his voice. We saw Noah did that. He heard what he said. And we say, boy, I wish he would speak to me today. I've never heard his audible voice. And I would tell you, he has spoken to you. And he speaks through his word. So spending time every morning, not just praying, Lord, coming to walk, and then opening his word and going, okay, Lord, speak to me as I walk along the way. I think some of the things is memorizing his words so that when you get in those spots, they just come out. Like when you stub your toe, you just want to yell, but the thing that comes out is God's word. Or when people cut you off, or when people cheat on you, or when you're struggling with your boss at work, or you're struggling with your employee, the words that would come out would be the words of God i want to end uh, with kind of telling you something we, have, we as elders have been doing. Uh, the elders is a group of uh, three men. Uh, we meet every Thursday morning, and we pray for you guys. As things come up, let us know if there's stuff we can be praying for. We read God's Word together, and we're basically asking, the big question I think the elders are asking is, how can we walk with God, and how can we lead the church in walking with God? Uh the beginning of the year, we we're uh, doing, were we doing this study. We're, we're working through a book called Lead by Paul Tripp. You don't need to know that. It's just different b- biblical principles for leadership. Uh, and one of the things, I don't know if it was from there or whatever, but we got to talking as leaders, and we thought, you know, um, there's a verse in Ephesians, actually three verses in Ephesians, that we've started uh, praying, uh, speaking, and we want to memorize this. As we begin every meeting, So we begin every meeting going, okay, Lord, we want to walk with you today. What's that look like? Uh, And so Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. So if you're looking like, how do I walk with the Lord this week? Memorize Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. It says says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling that you've been called. I urge you to walk in this way. As you go through your week, you've been called. God said, come on, would you come walk with me? And, And here's how I'm walking with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And as you respond like that, as you are engaged in that with your wife and your children and your co-workers, you will be reflecting who God is and who you are. He'll be directing your your path even this week so each morning as you get up i hope you hear before you turn on your phone before you hear anything i hope you hear the lord saying hey let's go for a walk let me pray lord we want to walk closer with you and the things of this world distract us uh, our lists distract us we get busy and we want to just like, check it off. And really, you're just asking us, just, let's just walk. Just like men like Noah, who in such a violent, broken, evil world have been so easy to get distracted or go your own way. Lord, he stuck close to you. He walked with you. And that walking with you really uh, meant eternal life, meant comfort, meant living a life to totally reflect who he was made to be.
0: Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.